1: Because that is the name of the show. Welcome, I am Sam DeLev, and this is our Children of Verte After Show, where I expound upon the delightful things our party is doing while they take a week off to properly prepare for Rat party theme rats. Yeah. With me today is Jennifer <laughs> Kretschmer, aka Mae Flynn. Thank you for joining me today. Give us an intro about your greatness, if you would be so kind.
0: Hello, I am Jen Kretschmer. I play Mae Flynn. Um, I do a bunch of other stuff. I'm a writer, I'm an actor, I'm a producer. I created the Accessibility and Gaming Resource Guide and I am happy to be here. This is gonna be a blast. And also, if you are watching this, you are in a place where you can go vote today. We have a VOD, go do that. Come back, we'll be here. V-O-T-E? V-O-T-E.
1: V-O-D. But before we could do any such thing or get this rat party started, Fey magic has compelled me First, to mention our sponsors, Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. You can type the code in chat for a free Electrum chest in game and Die Hard Dice. Use code ERTE at checkout for a 10% discount for your clicky clacky math rock needs as Jen is so beautifully demonstrating and modeling. Uh, We will be doing a giveaway in chat during the stream. And with 60 percent less fey danger on with our show and a reminder you too can ask jen questions like how can i convince my friends that magic is a reality tv show by asking your question with question (laughs) in all caps in chat but i go first so let's get started Jen, do you typically play troublemakers. You have introduced yourself so many times as the friendly local troublemaker. What led you to choose that archetype for Maeve? I,
0: I actually don't often play troublemakers. Yeah. So Maeve is a a big change for me, um, for anyone who had followed kind of the characters I've played previously on, on longer running streams. Um, I, I played <laughs> your friendly neighborhood Book Wizard, um, previously, I, I was, uh, you know, my, my last character was um, almost the parental unit of the group um, and was the one saying, no, 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 don't do that. And so instead, I wanted to be the one that people were yelling after me. No, 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 don't do that <laughs> um, this time around. But no, Maeve is, Maeve is, a. Uh, I think I apologized to the cast as Maeve developed in advance. Um. Mm-hmm because I I really did want to play something that was really different for me and was a challenge, but a fun challenge. So if you're used
1: to being sort of the well-behaved one, Mm -hmm. how has it felt to push yourself out of that and go
0: and make trouble? It's been a lot of fun. It's been a blast. Um, I think I did so much work on Maeve before we started, that some of it has started to feel a lot more natural than it was when it it kicked off. Um, but I still catch myself starting to fall into old habits once in a while, and have to go, oh, no, 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 no! You need to make the trouble now. You need to you need to take action. You need to make choices that are outside of the systems that exist, and and let that be, you know, constantly be driving forward with Maeve rather than sort of hanging back.
1: Do you have a favorite flavor of trouble that Maeve has caused thus far? Because you have sh- like, we've seen different looks.
0: It's true. Yeah, I, I have shown a few different flavors of chaos. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love prank Maeve. I think there's something really fun about her playfulness, um, that there's not a maliciousness to her, her pranks, to her chaos. Um, but they're entertaining to anyone in on the joke. Um, but it's never turning someone into the butt of a joke. It's never putting someone else in harm's way, uh, in the path for that fun. So I, I think that's that that right now I think is my favorite flavor of Mave Chaos, though apparently cutting important chords has been a, a, a new a new and exciting development. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure it all goes perfectly well.
0: Don't It'd be fine.
1: <laughs> all of it always. Uh that is what we tell ourselves in the off week of Children of Erte, to try to be okay and actually rest in our week off. No, we're tense all the time. Is 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 I it might not be fine. <laughs> Fine. We're totally so, fine. Totally fine. Then let me ask diegetically how much could you tell us about how she got so gosh darn good at this trouble? Because one does not trip and fall into a lockpick set.
0: It's huh. true. Um, so every piece of Maeve that I have shown so far. I had in her backstory, I mean, I have a journal that I wrote as Maeve, um, I really put pieces together about her childhood, you know, I knew I wanted to get her to this place where she was playful and having fun and um, very chaotic, but I wanted to know where where that would come from. Um, some of that was I, I took inspiration from different media, but also I I really tried to you know, follow the thread backward in her life and and see what things might make that happen. She's an army brat. She moved around a lot. She didn't have an opportunity to form close bonds with many people. Um, so that meant that she didn't have a lot at stake. There wasn't a lot of reputation she had to worry about. Um, so if she made mistakes, didn't matter because in three weeks she was going to be somewhere else. Um, so things like that, made sense to me in terms of building out her psyche um, and her her personality. In terms of the lock picking, um, there are a number of reasons for that, some of which we will get to later on, but um, certainly I did introduce that she has these tools with her and she is not, you know, she's not using your traditional lock picking set, but she's working with an Allen wrench and various other, you know, uh, you know, a pocket knife, things like that, so. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah. I I mean, I should, I I have one right here.
1: Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I've got my metrics. I've got my, uh, Imperial. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I actually love that she's such a kind troll now that I'm thinking of it and realizing it.
0: At least to people who have not wronged her. I think if you cross her, you are you're setting yourself up for for a little bit more pain, hmm. um, and she what might merit
1: can... that wrath.
0: Um, she doesn't like bullying. Um, she doesn't she doesn't abide bullies. She doesn't abide um, cruelty for the sake of cruelty. So I think seeing someone who is playing those jokes with more of a malicious intent, she she wouldn't appreciate that in the same way. That's not funny anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, so those sorts of things certainly are things that she she does not have much of a tolerance for it.
1: So you clearly did a lot of prep work building up to Maeve. You didn't just throw her in and be like, let's find out what this person is from, no one trips and falls into either a set of walk picks or <laughs> a journal of one's character. So actually, could <laughs> you just tell me, like, what was the order of operations? How did you approach Building May?
0: Um, I knew roughly what type of, I think I started with the class um, and then knew that I wanted to go far, far away from Melindra and do something very different than my last character um, and, and started building out pieces from there. Um, and then the, I think there just were little things that started influencing what I was doing. I think I, I had a version of her that was very much enmeshed in like hacking for a while. I was playing with the idea of her as a hacker. Um, and then as I kept going, that just didn't feel quite right. So. I, I'm trying to remember, but I also know that I went into a long phase of watching a lot of media and reading a lot of stories with these kind of troublemaker characters. Um, I would say the closest character for her in terms of, of her creation, it would be um, it would be Jim Halpert from The Office and um, Lulu from Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Crashing. Those two, I think more than any others really stuck out, but I went through a whole phase of watching like terrible people shows about (laughs) people in very liminal phases of their lives where the story is about how they grow up um, and how they kind of learn to take things on, I suppose. The, the, The other big piece of it was I knew I wanted, because I knew we were doing a fairy tale and we couldn't play I mean, it didn't make sense to me to play children, um, even though we are the children of Arte. Um, but to play actual minor children, um, I wanted to play with the idea of liminality. And for me, the closest other phase to that is right out of college, early twenties. Not really sure what you're doing with your life. Not really sure where you're going. You don't have, you know, a partner or partner or family or or anything uh, that is sort of tying you down yet to a certain place or responsibilities at a job. And so that that all uh, factored in pretty heavily as well.
1: I mean, you talk about your media influences as people who like need to grow up because there's mm-hmm. the there's things they've got to do, but at the same time, Uh, She's also the person whom the party turns to in a lot of ways. Fallen Angel accurately asked, how do you feel about the party turning to Maeve for answers to all the weird things that are
0: happening? That I think is the most unexpected part of this so (laughs) far Um, because I did not anticipate that. Um, But as soon as we saw the Will-O-Wisps and I, I sort of had that moment of, oh, but if you, if you spend time in your life in Ireland or with Irish family, folklore and superstition is certainly part of that culture. That makes sense. That that would be, you know, that's a story that you get told. It's a bedtime story, and and to see it embodied um, by these, these things that might be an explanation for what's happening. Um, that it's just a very strange thing that that's become something that that she's taken on. Um, But I think it's exciting because it it does help uh, provide a a trajectory in some ways.
1: And certainly a locus of lore, which Maeve has also rather become, at least if by knee-jerk intuition, she seems to be the first person to think of it quite often.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I, I intentionally did when I was building Maeve and assigning her stats was I gave her more intelligence than I would normally give yeah. this kind of character. Um, yeah. In part because I, I, I love puzzles, I design puzzles and I know how much Deb loves puzzles. And I knew that Jen would not be able to help from diving in onto puzzles that yeah. were, were placed in our in our pathway. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that I was creating a character where that was justifiable because if I did not give Maeve an intelligence score where that seemed reasonable, um, then I would be sitting there solving things and being frustrated. I couldn't make You'd- that count.
1: Yeah, but- just also- sitting there like the young Dickensian orphan with the nose pressed against the glass looking at the beautiful puzzle that <laughs> yeah. it doesn't make sense for your character I to just touch. Feel like
0: I have the solution here and I can't tell anyone. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to sit on it. I'm just gonna resent that I have it solved and can't do anything with it. But also um, just because you give a character a high score particularly with something like intelligence, does not mean they have to make good choices. They can know what the good choice is and actively choose the wrong thing. And that's where I think Maeve is, is, is shines. <laughs> she knows what the, what the right choice is and she'll go, ah, well, let's not do that. <laughs> oh, do you think
1: she has been the impetuous or impulsive. Do you think she's been making some bad choices? Do you have any favorite bad choices? She seems dangerously
0: sensible. I, I don't, I'm not sure yet. Like, I I feel like there are bad choices being made. Um, I don't think we necessarily have been in situations where maybe where the stakes are even high enough for her to revert to that as a defense mechanism. Um, Wolves, not enough, got it. Wolves might not be enough yet. And certainly she did go stab, (laughs) stab things, (laughs) Um, which for her, I think has not traditionally been where she goes, I think she is not someone who, who generally has historically liked to confront things head on i think she'd rather you know set the trap and then watch from a distance and just be like "Mm -hmm. three Mm -hmm. more two one there it is (laughs) um
1: but yeah you get good at sneaking and and that whole skill set or you're comfortable with
0: confrontation but maybe not both yeah and i think she also is is setting like she's i think she's good at at Setting things up to let them fall apart when she's not close enough to be to have the blame put on her. Mm. You know, she can get get out of that, and 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 it is this this con- this avoidance of confrontation, of direct confrontation. Though she's not afraid to speak truth to power, um, mm. and I think often that's something that that chaotic characters can do. Um, it's not always a good choice. But it is that that's part of the appeal of the chaotic characters. They really can yeah. say anything, especially when they have nothing to lose, so.
1: In three weeks, you're just gonna move to a new town, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Impermanent.
0: Another mirror shard. <laughs> <laughs> How does maybe
1: feel about that overarching mission. She's certainly taken to the lore and found those parallels very often, but was she the superstitious type going in? What flipped that so quickly for her?
0: Um, I, I don't even know fully that she believes that yet. I think it's just sort of going, that sounds like this, but that's mythology. So that's folklore. That's, you know. Um, So there's, there's an idea of, she doesn't have to commit to it yet. Um, But she can say, it might be this. That also opens up the possibility. She might throw something in there that's not quite true. She could make up her own stories. She could, you know, um, I don't know. Not sure, where I was going with that. <laughs> Wait. Wait,
1: it's not a reality show.
0: Uh, oh, for is it absolutely is. There's cameras everywhere. Okay, okay. You, you have to oh, yeah. worried for a minute. There. Those are producers in the woods, 100 <laughs> percent Okay,
1: okay, all right. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh for the record, wolves, you are enough. You're enough for me. And you're certainly enough for Nip. <laughs> so we also have some other flavors of conspiracy that I am pleased at and yet did not expect. Uh, Cassius asks, is Maeve the secret non-human or should we be checking with Robin legally on on the Uh You have to tell me if you're a Cylon.
0: Yes, I'm a Cylon. No, <laughs> um, you'd have to check my spine, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I think for all of us, you'll have to wait and see. That's a that's an ongoing process, right? We're, we I, we ourselves may not even be sure what's happening with with things. Um, we are we are in a in a world where things are uh, unfurling for us and and revealing themselves to to us as we go. Um, I I don't know that any of us can escape this, you know direct encounter with magic and not come away with some sort of radioactivity uh, for lack of a better term. Um, but whether that means that we are not human remains to be seen.
1: So continue extending the string along your cork boards my sweet conspiracists. There is more to come. Uh, but let's perhaps talk about a little of that magic for Maeve. There is so much power in that nope. I love all of the flavoring of magic in Children of Erte, but I really might love no. <laughs> most of all, please tell me about
0: no. Thank you. Um. Yeah, Deb had talked to us about this idea of of reflavoring spells. Um or abilities in ways that were unique to our characters and that fit our experiences in the real world perhaps that that maybe that these were sort of instinctive things we had done all of our lives that didn't necessarily pop as oh, that's magic but but as something that um just was a a little quirky thing that happened sometimes. things didn't, you know, you managed to always duck. A, a second before something flew over your head or whatever it was. Yeah, it um, so, so for for no, that was. I, I just knew that the idea was, the forcefulness of it, and I would. I remember I, this. This is a Mackenzie Armas special because I was running a bunch of different names by Mackenzie for for what I was thinking of, of calling it, and I was. Yeah, it, it was you know, um, stay put, cool down, uh, don't you dare, don't even think about it. You know, Ooh. I had a whole long list of different ideas around it. Um, and, and Mackenzie said, what about just, no. <laughs> I went, that's the one, <laughs> done and done. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for the other spells, I, I did want it to kind of be the, the sort of thing that you would shout at someone if, if someone was coming at you, what would you say? No, I warned you to stay put you know um what else do I have uh don't touch me creep (laughs) Um,
1: we got a good don't touch me creep lately
0: yeah there was a good don't 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 touch me creep uh a a couple of weeks ago so yeah things like that um just sort of taking those and, and really making them unique to Maeve and her experience both in the real world and then as we're getting more into um this magical world we're in sort of Letting that suffuse things a little bit more, I think, is is where we're headed.
1: Can you give us a bit of a sense of how magic has been feeling for Maeve specifically to those power? Like, is this just going to make her feel more unstoppable and shielded, and and rushing into more bad choices? How is magic? feeling, not just the existence of it in the world. And now we have to epistemically contend with this, but how does
0: it feel to have it? Yeah, I th- I think she's, to a certain extent, I think it has always felt out of control for her. Um, these are things she would do when things felt out of control. And so I, I think there's something interesting about the idea that she is gaining control um, and that that there's, there's empowerment in that, and there's strength in that, but there's also a steadiness in that. Um, so that that to me is interesting. Um, I think she still is on the fence about what this whole magic thing is, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's fun. But I think as as she clarifies what that means for herself, so too will will she. Um, have a a better sense of how to use what she what she has lined up as one gains
1: experience one could even say one
0: might say yeah Yeah, just
1: you know not as a casual term
0: those points where one might gain some experience right at
1: some points in one's life uh, one Mm -hmm. might some experience indeed And we're in a mine, so stones everywhere. Oh no! Cheers indeed. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. All right. So in talking about how you put Maeve together, you did one of the cleverest things one can do in a TTRPG, which is not only to play the game but to play the GM uh, to make yourself a uh, narratively a Appropriate vessel for puzzles and a puzzle loving GM. I've, I admit, I've never been good at puzzles. I thought I would like them and I never have. And we talked with Deb a little about how she approaches making the puzzles for y'all. But as someone who has, like, we can see through the screen, just like, Mave loves the puzzles, she loves
0: the puzzles. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little about how to puzzle. Teach us how puzzle. Well, actually, actually there's a video that Gabe Hicks and I did for GISH last year. Um, we actually did two different lessons on puzzling. Um, <laughs> we have So there are two lessons on YouTube on the GISH playlist if you want to actually see like a, a step-by-step here some ways to puzzle. But um, I think for me, puzzles always need to be rooted in the story. They need to make sense for the story. I think a lot of DMs show up and f- go, I need a puzzle here. I'm going to put a puzzle here and you're going, "Why would anyone in this particular dungeon want to put a puzzle here that they would have to solve every time they come through, you know, with the shifting solution? Like this does not make any any sense to the world that is, of of the game. What architect put this here?" Right. Um this is not think code. about the context of the the, the yeah. world that it is in before you you before So so for me, I love that when puzzles are telling a story and furthering the story, um, but also make sense within the context of the story. So that, that is always where I start with a puzzle, um, is, is what's the story I want to tell? How, what, what piece of knowledge am I trying to impart? Um, but also to make it clear to my, when, when I'm DMing to my, to my players, you know, this is a puzzle, these are the pieces you need to have to start to solve this puzzle, you know, because so often people just won't give you the basic information about how to solve this, what what you're asking for as a solution. You know, so clarity and those things makes it a lot of fun, but also to have ways around it. If people don't like puzzles, how do you get hints? How do you, um, can you smash through the wall that has the puzzle on it instead of solving the puzzle? Is that a viable way to get through? And for me generally, yeah, absolutely. Because not everyone does like puzzles. It's not fun for everybody. And, and if, if a game's not fun, then something needs to shift in the game because it's, it's a game, it's supposed to be there for fun.
1: <laughs> Write it down. So on the playing side, when you start, when when the sp- puzzle Spidey mm-hmm. starts getting to, you know, you can tell that there is going to be one here. You can like hear the GM start to look. the dopamine through. tingle. <laughs> yeah, you start to get the sense there's a puzzle in here somewhere. What, do you, what are you thinking? Like, how do you approach that from the players? side and like breaking something down when you get the sense that there might be a puzzle in range?
0: I mean, the first thing I will try and do is look around the space I'm in and and use all of my character's senses to try and find any hints about this is the type of uh, information and material you have at your disposal. And this is what is being presented to you as a thing to solve. Um, so, so that sort of is where I start is, is what is the, the most information I can have from what's, yeah, what's around, what am I smelling, what do I taste, what do I feel, what does the ground sound like, what does what do the walls sound like? You know, if I pull this back, is there something behind it? Does this fit into that spot and does it change what, what any of those other things are? You know, just the sort of getting that, that clearing the tabletop off for that. Um, and once I have that, then I can start assembling it and going, oh, this, this seems to fit with this. That, that looks like it goes there. Oh, there's a word here. That word doesn't make sense. What is it in the wrong language? Is it in the wrong order? Does it correspond to numbers? You know, is it matching up with shapes? Are those are the letters from our names? Like what, what could this possibly be? But also trying to look at it from the character's perspective because the character might have no interest in it. And if that's the case, then they may either provide completely useless information or they might provide random information seemingly but it might be the thing that can help make someone else go, oh, that's a such and such.
1: I mean, a broken pocket watch is right close mm-hmm. to Uh Maverick 2 has a question, and now that they've asked it, I have the same question. Is Maeve's Allen wrench metric or standard?
0: Oh, I have both. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming Maeve has both, to be completely honest.
1: Is it on the same key for you? It is. Got it, that's so... Pr- we should talk Alan Wrenches later. I don't mm-hmm. have one on the same key. I
0: have the ones They're that
1: you lose Alan Wrenches, people. Write them down. They're
0: wonderful. They're wonderful. The get them in and- sets of two. Yeah. Just, well,
1: and it also speaks to what uh, I've certainly wanted to get into and uh, what Fallen Angel has asked as well. So Maeve has some great EDC. Mae mm-hmm. brought a lot of just-in-case items to her vacation. In real life, do you carry a lot of similar types of items as well?
0: Yes, I do. Um, Mae's bag is basically Jen's bag. Um, I, I am... Uh, I have had to learn through my life how to be prepared for almost anything at almost any time and not ever necessarily knowing what my day will look like um, minute to minute, hour to hour. So having a ton of different things with me is sort of unfortunately in some ways, because it's a lot to bring around, but also I've streamlined it. Um, but, But, but that's part of part of my day is my bag has a number of different things in it. And you know, I remember things like I would go to Disneyland with a group of friends and someone would get a blister and I'd be like, I have a first aid kit, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I I, I have to. Um, that is part of my life. Yeah. So, yes, Maeve, Maeve certainly has had similar experiences on that front in terms of knowing that she needs to kind of be prepared for any situation.
1: Is there anything we might find in Maeve's EDC
0: that we wouldn't find in yours? Oh, that's a good question. Now I have to look at her inventory and, and think about that. Um, it has been truly delightful
1: there... to see just how much EDC y'all have.
0: There's so much preparation. Yeah, I, I think Maeve probably has a few more flasks than I would have in my, my EDC. <laughs> okay. um, I think Maeve has, um, there are a couple of things that I am not going to share yet, but yes, there were definitely a few, um, a few things about Maeve's backstory that, that may be in her bag. Um, oh, the bag story, of course. The bag story. Um, and I, I think she's on a vacation where where there's, I mean, I'm in mean, Los Angeles, there's a lot more cold weather gear happening for me. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and a bit more travel material. Um, I think those are those are the main things. But in general, it's, her bag is pretty close to what I keep in my bag.
1: Yeah. Well, the good news, dear chat, is that because Jen hasn't confirmed the precise things, that are yet to be revealed that are in Maeve's bag that aren't in Jen's bag. We can assume that any outrageous item that Maeve shows is in fact in Jen's bag. I think that's the only reasonable conclusion we should take it's the from Mary Poppins.
0: Land. There's a lamp and a umbrella stand. Mm-hmm.
1: I believe this one uh, inevitably exact. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, I used to, and then I couldn't find one that folded. Yeah, they've got to make more collapsible ones again. That
0: was That was the older model.
1: That yeah I mean four. but now they're so heavy too and mm-hmm. if I put it's anything true. too heavy on the back of my chair she just tips over
0: tips over yep you know that feeling
1: ah oh, <laughs> I used to take pictures of her every time she tipped over oh no
0: that was the best thing the first comic-con I ever did with my chair um I was so excited that I could carry everybody's stuff I was like give me all your stuff put it in my backpack yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know in film school they teach, like, if you don't have a dolly, use a wheelchair, but what they don't realize is, hello, it still works. It works for us, too. Nope. Not that I want to slap at Comic-Con, I
0: won't do no. no extra, as, as little gear as possible at Comic-Cons. <laughs> <laughs> but...
1: Having talked about being prepared for all sorts of things and having outrageous things, uh, no one thinks ahead of everything. And if Maeve prepared for magic, I certainly uh, wouldn't have expected it. So are there any items, Maverick2 asks, uh, that Maeve wishes she had thought
0: ahead to bring? A different pair of pants for Silas.
1: Okay. All right. You know what? Let's just get into it. (laughs) <laughs> We're going to go why why poor silas.
0: Silas was condescending the first time they've met him. That's true. Um which immediately put her guard up. That's that's the thing that she'll sort of go oh, oh, you think you know better. Okay. Let's let's see how this goes. Um and that immediately put her onto I don't know what I'm going to need to be prepared to do here, and I don't know how far I'm going to need to take it. There's, there's definitely also some like Matilda rightful, like Matilda Wormwood oh. rightful, Um that ball. Rightful vengeance, I do too. It's I, I love a Matilda poem always. <laughs> Just so, of course, you wizard know, player. I the, little, the lavender, lavender hair tonic. Um, oh, that, that, that kind of is. It was a will. I need to go that far for him, and luckily, that turned out not to be the case. But that was the initial thing: was okay. I can let's see where this goes. Let, let's wait this one out. Let's be prepared, but let's wait this wait this one out and see. And so that that was that was why Silas.
1: Will he ever get his hat back? He will. Belphdafel wants to know. I want He will, to know.
0: but not yet. I have plans for that hat first.
1: Oh, dear. Uh, Worlds quake when the troublemaker plans. (laughs) (laughs) I knew right away
0: once I got it what I was doing with it, too. Ooh, This has been a long simmering. Does that happen
1: for you a lot as a player? Like, you'll pick something up on impulse and then it's like, immediately now I know what to do? Or do you just hang on to it and wait for revelation
0: a little of both um i am i am a pretty meticulous note taker just in general um I, I i don't know how many pages of notes i have already for AirTay. um i have 18 pages of notes so far for the show Um, but uh, like you do, Um, but I I do like to be able to go back and reference things. And, and in terms of items, in terms of things like that, yeah, I I think having them and sort of once in a while reviewing what we have and going, Oh, that could be a thing I do this with, or that could be another tool for this. Some things, obviously you, you're never going to pay off, but there are definitely also moments where you're like this, this, I have this, I know what I want this to do in life. (laughs) You, my friend, have a purpose. (laughs) I'll pocket this for later.
1: Silas, your hat is filled with glorious purpose.
0: (laughs) So much purpose.
1: (laughs) All right. I'm going to pull one from a bit of a stranger uh, to this show. Alicia Marie? Who? Of some description? Oh. I, I think oh. I have that right. I, I, okay. I'm, so, okay. I'm sorry, chat, you know, chat names, it's, it's classic, uh, but but this stranger asks, has Maeve changed at all from how you imagined her when you first started? Meaning, has she surprised you and gone off in a different direction than you originally planned?
0: Absolutely. Uh, certainly, I never expected to be the person that people were turning to for information. <laughs> um, that 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 truly has completely caught me off guard. Um, but I think conceptually she's she's changed quite a bit. Um I think she's gotten progressively, I think some of the playfulness that I expected her to have and some of the chaos energy has shifted a little bit with her. I think some of it is, a little, I think some of it is a little bit slower than I expected, if that makes any sense. Like, I think I expected Maeve to be all of the things right away as soon as the idea came into her head. And instead there's a little bit more, a little bit more scheming, not, scheming might not be the word. but. she'll she'll hold on to things for for a moment. She's not going to put all of her cards on the table right away. Um, You know, that makes sense in a certain sort of like, we learn
1: pacing kind of way now that I'm thinking about it.
0: Yeah, so that, that, I think there were things that I expected to come up by now or earlier um, that haven't. There were things that have come up that I didn't expect. so yeah, that, that I think the rhythm has shifted a little, but some of that is is in part because I have such phenomenal castmates who, you know, we all are working together so hard to to tell this story in the best way possible, and and really, we we love these characters. We talk about these characters endlessly out of game, and are are talking about the game and plotting and scheming, and you know, um, really worked together to create characters that that are are complementary to one another
1: okay so was there a lot like i know when i first get into games we'll have had our session zero and all of that goes well and we've conveyed what our characters are and we start playing and there's this sense to slide to fit into the niche so that everyone has the complementary aspects of the party once you start playing has that happened with me if you think
0: um A little bit, but I think it's more in terms of our personality because I think we are caring with this, with these characters, I think we are caring a lot less about, oh, this is their class. Oh, this is their race. Oh, this is their, you know, background. These are their abilities. Then then I think we hadn't, or at least than I had expected. Um, And we've leaned so much more heavily into what are the complementary aspects of our personalities, of our backstories, of our experiences? What can we, you know, what is a point of, of potential tension between these characters? What's something I can learn from your character? Um, I think especially the what can I learn from your character has been just, I, I don't ever wanna go into a game without thinking about that ever again. Um, it, it's been so revolutionary in how I, I, I think we've approached this, this process.
1: What do you want Maeve to learn? Because obviously what Maeve wants to learn might be wholly different.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and I sort of have a sense of what I think I want Maeve's journey to be, but I also am wide open to whatever happens, happens, and, and that that completely could shift. And and Maeve is, is such a wild card that, you know, you, you put the wrong thing in front of her and she's just going to be off following that path. Um, but. I think because I I wanted to go from the root. I love I love mythology. I love fairy tales. Um, I always have. Um, I wanted to kind of follow that journey. So for Maeve, I intentionally started her as someone who doesn't have anything tying her to. She, she doesn't. She's not rooted to anything. She doesn't want connections to anything. She doesn't want to be responsible for anything or to anyone. Um, and to me, that's a, that's an obvious, you know, that's a growing up thing for her. Um, so I think that the simplest way I, I can put it is I think what I want for Maeve is I want Maeve to learn how to grow up. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, since you
1: mentioned connections, uh, the fallen angel points out that you recognized Faruza, but she didn't recognize you. Did this surprise you?
0: No. Um, Maeve worked in the mailroom. room. Mm-hmm. Maeve had a low level, unimportant, low responsibility job. Um, and Faruza is a high powered, important attorney. <laughs> um, that was by design for me. Um, I, I wanted this idea that Maeve could kind of slip through the cracks unnoticed at this very powerful place. And that means you have access to information, it means you have access to people, um, but they don't necessarily remember your face. Again, it's that that distancing from, from responsibility, that distancing from culpability. Um, so no, I, I don't think Maeve was surprised at all. And I think Maeve was relieved Honestly, that, that Feruza had not recognized her. It's going to be interesting if that ever comes out, though.
1: Remember, chat, tampering with mail is a federal crime, especially if you're caught.
0: <laughs> Truth. <laughs> but they can pay you to do it if you work in a mailroom.
1: Remember, uh, On the Arte is not liable for any crimes that chat may or may not uh commit and if you do commit any crimes do not ever confess to them on the internet unless of course you're in the hot seat as jen is this evening (laughs) then you know please give us spoilers of um, all of your crimes, so Rip Guardian actually asked some backstory—no, actual backstory—question uh, for Jennifer. What was your first experience that got you into tabletop RPG play? And we haven't like had a lot of conversation to that end, so I don't know that backstory either. And I get to just selfishly ask the question because it interests me.
0: Um, yeah, I started my senior year of high school with a group of friends. Um, uh, they, I, I, I was fortunate enough to start with a group of theater nerd friends. Um, Ironically, we met doing a production of Taming of the Shrew, which is what Deborah is working on right now. Um, So, uh, but they became my closest friends at the end of high school. And uh, at one point someone was like, I wanna play D&D. So this was was when I actually got started in in regularly playing. Prior to that, about, I don't know, I was probably 14. um, I had gone to a performing arts camp and my brother had gotten into D&D. and he was, had tried to explain it to me. I was very into fantasy books and all of that, but I didn't, it didn't quite click. Um, but then my, when I was, when I was a senior in high school, um, I, I, I may have stolen his books and they, they remain on my shelf next to him. He cannot have them, uh, next to me. He cannot have them back. Um, I mean. Hypothetical wrong, books. But... Chad, uh, if you thought you heard something, no, you didn't. Nah, <laughs> he knows. It's fine. Um, but no, that <laughs> they, the. And we started playing and we started, we, we played constantly like every weekend for all through, you know, whenever we were home from college and past that and um, for years and years and years and years. So um, that was how I got started. And then um, found other friends who played, uh, whether in college or after college, and then discovered this whole circle of, of people in LA who played, um, who were working in, in TV and film. and. Um, it, it just was a really interesting process, and then realized that there were not a lot of femme folks who were who were out there DMing or talking about D and someone said, "Hey, you should really do this," and um, that that was a kick. And then uh, starting to get people saying, "Hey, I started playing because I saw that someone kind of like me was doing this." And then, of course, I started talking about the disability stuff more publicly, and that then became part of it as well as like advocating for that stuff. And so that, that was sort of the, the trajectory of, of all of this. That felt like a ramble.
1: <laughs> this is On the Airte, the preferred premier location for all Jim rambles. But we've, we've played it cool. Like we are not both extremely passionate about this topic, uh, but you took, uh, your lovely disability advocacy and disability identity. And uh, we have a Maeve.
0: We have a Maeve, we do. Yeah, Maeve is disabled um, and I'm proud of it. And it's important to the character um, on a lot of levels, uh, but I, I, it was important to me that, that I play a disabled character in a long running campaign um, and, and give that, an identity in in a fantasy world and Maeve was a really easy um way in because we were coming from the real world into a fantasy world um but you know I don't I don't want anyone to um expect that Maeve is going to be looking for a cure or going to magically be cured. Like, those are not things that are going to be part of her story. But
1: surely that's um, what every disabled person
0: wants. Oh, uh, definitely.
1: Yeah, no, that.
0: not at all. That is that is a false narrative. Um, we live great lives that don't need fixing. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was important. And um, I wanted Maeve to, you know, I, I wanted to represent something akin to my own lived experience which is why Maeve doesn't always use various devices or wrapped joints or stabilizing things or you know um any of that but if she gets knocked in a fight that might not go so well that might require some some fixing things and putting things back into place and using something to help for some time oh goodness the weather's cold out there isn't it
1: it's really cold. It's snow. Oh, I hate everything about that.
0: Yeah, not good. And snow too. Navigating snow,
1: yeah. Yeah, I don't put snow chains on Phoenix for a reason.
0: <laughs> no,
1: absolutely not. Not, not good times. Have you played a character with a similar disability to you before?
0: I have, um, and I started working on sort of ways to represent disability, um, in tabletop six or seven years ago, um, maybe even more than that now. Um, and had started to kind of work on a book and then the Fate Accessibility Toolkit came out and I was like, oh, you did all of the amazing things. I don't like, I can pause what I'm working on because this exists. Um, but, um, I, I, it was kind of, I, I've occasionally dusted off different things. Sometimes I use mechanics, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I, um, you know, focus more heavily on it. Um, sometimes I don't, but yeah, I, I think uh, I played a superhero in a game um, and I, I, that character had EDS and, and yeah, different different characters, different places, but. I'm just, I'm realizing that
1: I haven't played any Bendies or at least no one I've like overtly gone out of my way to code as Bendy. I think honestly, if my GM ever narrated a pop, I would expire from pure empathy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a really unique experience to, to have. And so to have a chance to sort of, Put that on display and normalize it, and and also show kind of how some of those things that a lot of people would absolutely panic and think that was a huge deal, and you know, for us, is it, it, it's getting out of bed. <laughs> um, we have to do that. It's it's just you know the, there are things that just aren't that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so so having a chance to reframe things in that context has been has been really it, it's special to be able to do that um in this context and 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 it was important to me that this is with a, a community of of you know a, a group of people i really trust and who i knew yeah. would be respectful and supportive of it and and i talked to them about it in, in advance of the show too um and that that was something i was considering and everyone was like 100 percent on board which was awesome
1: many of these folks have you worked with before? I realize I don't actually know. I know I often have to build up like a fair amount of trust before I will like trust a group with my disabled like yeah. characters or identity and it has looked so comfortable with the children yeah. of Verte table.
0: I mean, I, uh, Lauren, Adam and Hope and I had been playing together on, on the Heroes. Adventures for the last four years, um, and and truly, like they're some of my my closest friends. I love them like family. Uh, they they are. I just like I'm gonna get emotional if I talk about this too much. Um, well, we couldn't have that on an after show. <laughs> but I, I I adore them. I am I am so fortunate to have them. In my life, and they're a big part of how I got through the last couple of years. Um, Alicia, I knew, um, and we had done, I don't think we had played together prior to this, but we had done disability panels together. Um, so that was really exciting to, to have her join us. And, yeah. you know, so there obviously it was someone I trusted and yeah. felt comfortable with. And I, Deb was the only person I didn't know, but also Deb has connections to that world as well. Right. So um, uh, that's all been, you know, it, it's people I just, I, I trusted everyone here um, and, and it's not a character I would bring out a, a anywhere. Um, but this was a group I, I, I really did um, feel safe with. So It shows very nicely. I'm so lucky. To get to roll dice with these people and to know these people, like they're just the most wonderful, extraordinary humans. I, I I, like truly. I'm I'm so fortunate to to have them in my life. We're always lucky
1: for the fortune of running into the people whom we appreciate, but I assure you, it is not purely luck that has you at that table, Jenna Crotchmore. Thank you. I'll just call it like I see it and as all the chat sees it. Uh, but for those of us who don't have the great fortune of being Jen Kretschmer, we at least get the opportunity to get a little bit of hint and tip uh, on attempting uh, her luminescence. Savon so and Angel asked, how do you get into your role-play character? How do you find their voice? So please expound upon it that we might learn, especially because I really do love your dialect work for me.
0: Thank you. Um, I like dialects, they're fun for me. Um, they also help me keep characters straight from one another but just because uh-huh. it's it can be so hard to keep characters distinct when you're playing in the same physical space. Worst um, time keeping characters straight it's really hard. And so I actually do a lot of things for Maeve that I've never done before, and they've been really helpful. Um, but for Maeve, I, as soon as I realized what her name was, <laughs> as soon as I got her name as Maeve, I mean, I'm very, very picky about names. They always have lots of meaning Ooh. both in world and out of world for me. Um, so I, I had a really tough time picking a name, um, but once Maeve actually, her first name was easy, the rest of her name was harder. Um, but once I had figured out who she was, I I love the name Maeve, but immediately I go to Irish and that just felt right for her. I was playing with, yes, having an accent, no having an accent, Like, but it, it really felt right to, to keep her very distinct from anybody else. Um, and it just changes my posture as I play her. But also for her, I, I, I have a playlist I listen to when I'm getting ready for the show. Um, that's really fun and has a bunch, at some point I will make public, not yet, but at some point, um, but it's quirky and it gets me energized and, and focused and I just, it, it puts me in her headspace and I do the the hair for her and I have her kind of clothes. I have a couple of pieces of jewelry that are Mave jewelry. Um, and then I actually have a, a, a perfume that I spritz once just because smell sense memory is so strong. Um, and that helps remind me who, who I am that day um, because it w- I knew it was going to be too easy when I saw, you know, Lauren and Hope and Adam to just instinctually go into Alindra's British accent and, and start telling them all the things that their characters are doing wrong. <laughs> 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 yeah, so so switching to, to having those, those reminders of, oh, this is, this is Maeve stuff. Um, has been really helpful.
1: Dialect does a remarkable amount to just create a very big wall between characters. Do you have like a keyword that you'll say to get
0: locked in for Irish? Um, I mean, her name alone—just saying Maeve Morgan Flynn—sort of just Morgan slides Morgan me right into it. Um, and I think there's there are one or one or two of the songs that I will sing along with sometimes. Um but I, I, I do have other phrases. I'm trying to remember what they are. I'm completely blanking on what I say right now. But um I had one that was, Well boys, would you like to dance? Ooh that was, that was early on one of one of the 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 phrases I was playing with for her.
1: That's a fun one on so many levels. Mm-hmm. All right. Develop a ritual. Develop a playlist. Maybe do some fun things with your hair and jewelry. And uh, ask boys if they like to dance. This is the best way to get into character. You have heard it here first. Uh, but unfortunately, that'll about do it for us. The time must be doing some kind of magic because that felt altogether too short. Uh, Jen, could you please tell the people as if we haven't been talking for the last hour, who you
0: are and where they can find you out on the wide, wide internet? Yes, um, I am Jen Kretschmer. You can find me on the internets uh, on Twitter and most of the places as at DreamWisp. You can find me streaming on Twitch as DreamWispJen. And I on Tuesdays will normally be Maeve Morgan Flynn, your friendly neighborhood troublemaker.
1: Indeed, don't forget to tune in here at Demiplane RPG at the same rat party time, same rat party channel, theme rats, for the continuation of Children of Erte, Thank you again so much, Jen. And until next time, we're going off the Ayrte.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Children of Arte. To learn more about Demiplane, visit Demiplane.com and embark on your own adventure today.